0: Welcome to another edition of Anglican Unscripted, episode 792.
1: I'm Kevin Coulson. I'm George Conger. Today is March 7th, 2023.
0: All right, welcome to another program of Anglican Unscripted. We are glad you could be here. We do ask a few things of our audience before we get to started, you know. First come in right here, open mind, hey this is two guys, they're kind of old, they probably don't know what they're talking about, but I'll certainly listen to them. Or you already watched the program before, I know these guys, are pretty funny, they're witted, and they do know what they're talking about. Or you think we're not funny and we do know what we're talking about. Yeah, there's a whole gamut of people out there, just enjoy, have an open mind. and. If you have an open mind, you'd love to, to like the program. If you see us on Facebook or YouTube, click the like button. That's free promotion and free advertising for us. If you are so desirous of giving us your, your opinion or your ideas, go to the comment section on YouTube and add them has been a very vibrant place the last three or four weeks with all that's been going on with the uh, asbury revival and the church of england and politics around the world it's nice to hear your opinions some of you have corrected our inaccuracies and you're more than welcome to do that just don't call us dumb in the comments that's that's not very helpful and finally if you so desire please share this episode with your family friends neighbors even your enemies deserve to watch Anglican unscripted. George, how are you doing this week?
1: Pretty good. We had something exciting happening on Saturday night. We have a 5 p.m. Saturday service, and there were two newcomers in the congregation named Peter and Donna, and I was chatting with him, and they're from Foxborough, Massachusetts, and Mm -hmm. There are tourists on vacation who watch Anglican Unscripted Faithfully and on their way, on their Sorry. drive back to Massachusetts, <laughs> timed their drive trip so they could stop in for services at Shepherd of the Hills. And know. their comment was, you're much taller than we thought. We thought <laughs> Kevin was the tall one.
0: <laughs> well, I don't know how that happens, George. That's kind of weird. <laughs> no, yes, you are much, yeah. I mean, there people seem pictures on Facebook uh, of both of us and George you're like seven six and I'm like five1 and so there's there is quite a, a difference between the two of us um, in fact if you guys want to be Facebook friends with us I'm putting the links right below uh, for my Facebook account to George's and we would love to uh, be friends with the viewers of the show we also have Facebook pages Anglican unscripted Anglican TV and Anglican. Inc you should sign up for as well to get updates about what's happening in the Anglican world George.
1: And also I would mention uh, that the couple stayed after the service with the mm-hmm. deacon, uh, my deacon uh, Kathy, and they asked that we pray for them. One of them was having some medical issues, uh, and we prayed for about 10 or so minutes. And if you feel, I believe in the power of prayer. Sure. Uh, it's something I like to do, something it's important to me. And I don't want to pray for people publicly over the Facebook or internet. But if you want to privately contact either Kevin or myself to ask a question or ask for prayer or something, please do so. I mean, this is not just uh, this is not just news and information. This is community. I hope that you feel that you're part of a community that's more than just picking on Justin Welby.
0: And yeah, jeez. It's much. One percent of my week is talking about Justin Welby. The the rest is uh, being part of the Scripture community. But not just would are we willing to pray for you? We're also willing to help point you in the direction uh, to. Uh, hey, I went to the Asbury revival. I'm revived again. I've repented. What do I do now? Ke- call Kevin. I'll help you out. You know, and we'll get you started on a daily office. We'll get you started. You know, going through something that will keep you reconnected and not backslide again. Um, if you're a person who just has certain concerns, or you need something uh, more of the uh, deliverance-type ministries, I can point you in the right direction, uh, so can George. W- this is not just a news program. We are people who are uh, Christian who also happen to have an opinion and uh, conduct that over Anglican Unscripted. Um, you, other than that, how's your week going, George?
1: Pretty good. Susan came yeah. returned from Philadelphia. She had flown up to be with her mother who had had a stroke, mm-hmm. uh, and there's some frontal temporal lobe damage up here in her mother, and I was quite excited because now I have a piece of paper that formally states my mother-in-law's crazy. I thought this for about 40 years. <laughs> you knew already. But I have it in <laughs> writing today. Uh, and so Susan will be, we're moving uh, We're moving her into uh, uh, not an assisted living but the step up from that sure. uh, um, where she'll have some, she'll have community meals, she'll have someone mm-hmm. giving her pills, uh, moving from a two-bedroom apartment in this facility to a suite, with uh, well, what, no, the word, not a suite. Uh, studio. 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 Yep. And that means I'm going to have to fly up and uh, move the furniture and mm-hmm. decide, you know, she'll tell me, oh, give that to your cousin Fred and Bill and this and that and sort of disposing of antiques and and Kevin, just what I need in my house are more pe- pieces of New England furniture that do not look good in Florida. Because <laughs> we can't well, sell this stuff until people die. Well, I shouldn't say that, but well, uh, there well, you yeah,
0: go. Yeah, My dad died right around Christmas time, and now I'm getting weird emails from mom who's downsizing. Who wants this? Who wants this? Who wants this? It's going to Goodwill if you don't want it. And she's getting very few takers, but uh, I think uh, um, Victoria's going to take a... Uh, uh u-haul out there sometime and, and collect the stuff she wants to keep of the memorabilia but my mom is also downsizing and going to a higher care facility uh as well soon so uh, crazy well, times. there's
1: a lot there's a lot of stuff for instance uh, the silverware not not silver silver but you know the kitchenware spatulas knives forks, spoons things that uh, you accumulate over a lifetime but you really don't want to shell out when you're in your 20s Uh, for a completely stocked kitchen. So that kitchen is all being shipped out to Seattle and uh, some bed linens and towels are all going to San Francisco. So it's all going to get there. It's just the heavy stuff that I've got to move, that I've got to figure out what to do with.
0: Okay. Uh, Also, keep Kevin and the Coulson family in your prayers. Uh, I have two daughters and so I need to say any more that we're having a little drama in our family and uh it's causing uh, big consternation and it's something that it's more than I can handle, but it's not something more than the God I worship can handle. And so yes, we'll get through it, but boy, I could certainly use your prayers uh just for strength and, and mostly wisdom. How to how to come off as the wise father in this, you know? I kind of like a fifties TV father, you know. Well, you know so i mean i would really like to be able to do that here so please keep me and jill in your prayers as we uh, attend through this for the next couple weeks um we we were gobs back this week but yeah that's part of life in 2023 george let's move on to the news um oh sorry i had the image pop up on my browser of a story we're going to talk about in the middle of our show and it was pretty gross um Let's get off to Pakistan. Um, That's kind of heating up. And this is gonna show the dynamics of the lack of authority now of the Church of England in the world. Um, Church of England is a has-been. It used to be a glorified leader in the Anglican communion, a church that was sought out for a council. The Archbishop of Canterbury was a a de facto place you would go if you need a a political favor done in helps for your church and your country. Well, those days are gonna be clearly over, yet I just saw Pakistan say, we're having trouble here, the Lahore Diocese is going all wacko. Archbishop of Canterbury, can you help us?
1: Yeah, the Lahore Diocese, which is the wealthiest, largest diocese in the Church of Pakistan, uh, elected a bishop without going through the National Church canonical processes. And this has led to angry exchange of words, lawsuits, and breaking into factions, and recently a court uh, enjoined the newly elected Bishop of Lahore from spending any money, and they'll probably get that stayed, but it's just the typical church stuff. Well the National Church of Pakistan has reached out to Justin Welby to mediate this dispute, to find a way forward. Now George Carey, excuse me, (coughs) 20 odd years ago did this, actually in the same diocese when there was a dispute and Kerry was able to bring so, all the parties together, knock some sense into them, and get things to come together again. And George Kerry did this in Rwanda after the genocide, essentially saying you, 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 you got to go. You can stay because you were on the side of the angels. Um, it doesn't look like Justin Welby can or will do anything because he's sworn off uh, getting involved in these things and so it's been handed to the ACC secretary general who's a bit clueless because he really can't do anything. And so I expect what will happen is that the primates if asked will start step into this mess. Now, they'll only move if the a primate of Pakistan, the moderator, Azad Marshall asks them to. But we're seeing a shift as Kevin mentioned from just well, let let uh, let Canterbury, you know, work this work this mess out to canterbury's incompetent canterbury's incapable canterbury said they don't want to do it so where is this problem going to fall in the great anglican scheme of things yeah. we'll see in the weeks to come we, we will,
0: i can imagine 15 years ago a phone call from roland williams or just his office at the time would have got the ball rolling one way or the other mm-hmm. um, and uh, certainly Rowan would be able to call um, some uh brother sister diocese of, of this and, and we'll get it taken care of. That's not gonna happen anymore. Uh, no. This may or may not split Pakistan uh, in the very near future. Uh, what else is on the list here? Oh, we've talked about the millionaire bishop before. Um, basically there's a bishop, what country is he from George?
1: Malawi, the diocese of Yeah,
0: who um, wasn't doing a good job, basically got fired, but said, got a contract, and he took that contract to court, and the court said, it's good, you get your million dollars.
1: The uh, Brighton molossa is a bishop in his late 40s of Upper Shire, which is in the Republic of Malawi, and Brighton molossa was excommunicated and deprived of office by the primate, um, after a long bitter fight with the clergy in his diocese where accusations of misconduct were leveled against uh, Bishop Molossa Well they didn't go through the whole canonical process of removing him by trial, they just found a shortcut where he did something that enabled the archbishop to excommunicate him. Well being Anglicans they sued and the employment Tribunal said to the Church of South, Church of the Province of Central Africa, look this man has a contract. It says he must be paid until he's 65, he's 47 or something and it works out that you can either pay him all that he's due which is over a million bucks or you keep paying him a salary for not doing anything for the next 15 years or so, 17 years, which of course upper Shire, which is dirt poor, Malawi is one of the poorer countries in Africa, can't afford a bishop to pay somebody like that. And there's nothing for him to do even if he stayed because all the clergy are loyal to the province, not to the bishop. Maybe one or two here and there but- Sure, yeah. So it's, uh, well, what's the old song, Sinatra song? Nice work, you can get it. <laughs> yeah, <isn't> it <laughs> and if you can get it, won't, it, won't I... you tell me how? I don't know be if the Malawi- paid to be a bishop without having to do any work?
0: Can a diocese go for bankruptcy and uh, and get rid of this contract that way? I, I don't know about the laws over there. You know, certainly here in America, that would be tried. Oh, <sighs> but
1: oh, it's goodness. It just we're in an era for taking this issue into a broader picture. We're in an era of particularly bad bishops. Mm-hmm. You know, we've talked repeatedly about corruption in Pakistan, corruption in India, corruption in Africa corruption in all these different places in Mexico and South America and even in the United States and It all comes down to bad bishops People who do not exercise the charism of Episcopacy Now whether they're outright crooks like we have in some places in India or whether they're cowed company men who just follow the orders like they do in the Church of England and who have no godliness or holiness not all, but a good number uh, of them are just drones.
0: Can I just say up front, this is not a transition into our next story about Frank Griswold. Okay. <laughs> I just, I want to, I want to just separate what we said about the, the bishops in, in other countries before we get to Frank Griswold, who may or may not fit that description, but it's not fair if we were to talk about him and his death to, to quite attach what, <laughs> I was wondering if you're going to go for a transition there. No. Uh, oh, on to other news frank griswold um has passed away at 85 years of age now i met frank griswold uh i don't want to go back a long time ago the first time i met him was at uh um, bishop loves consecration uh i think it was in albany and i had gone up there to videotape it. this is the early early days of anglican tv and shook Frank's hand, and uh, Frank and a a bunch of uh, bishops were there in full regalia, and Bob Duncan, who, you know, I was kind of new to this, but he came over and said hi, uh, was going to be part of the procession, and he made sure that I knew that he's not dressing up in the processional. He'll take care of the laying on hands because we are currently in a broken communion in the Episcopal Church, and I, I was just trying to get on you know, understand that this is early Kevin in the Episcopal Church. I said, okay, okay. And so thus conducted a wonderful consecration, beautifully, well filmed, by the way, beautifully uh, conducted. And, uh, and then I saw that there is a split at the high levels within the Episcopal Church that they're willing to sacrifice things for. Bishop Duncan was willing to sacrifice being in his cloaks, uh, full clericals, uh, to show that there is a break in the fabric with, just within the Episcopal Church. And that was my introduction to fully dressed up Frank Griswold. And then people started to help identify that he was what we call a liberal Catholic. Yes. Would that be a good description? Tell me your memories of Frank.
1: Well, I've known Frank Griswold a little longer than that. He uh, baptized my one of my younger brothers in 1965, I think. Mm-hmm. He was the curate at the church of the Redeemer in Bryn Mawr, PA, when uh, we were moved there, when I was very, very young. And he was a contemporary of both my parents growing up in the suburbs of Philadelphia, so they knew him. And they were never friends. In fact, they my father cordially disliked him. He thought he was a bit, as my father would say, lighten the loafers. This is going back to the 1950s expression. And so Frank Griswold was always there. In the 80s, he became Bishop of Chicago. Uh, Then he became Presiding Bishop in 97, I think it was, 97 or 98. And Frank Griswold, it's difficult to speak ill of the dead um, because he had many great qualities. He really was a very kind man. He was a very pastoral man. Mm -hmm. People did love him in the way that a good priest is loved. But at the same time he had some failings and faults and I don't want to partic- you know focus on particular party issues but his strengths were in one area and his weaknesses were in another and they became very apparent when he became primate of the Episcopal Church. For instance he went to the London Primates meeting in 2003 after Gene Robinson was elected Bishop of New Hampshire and after the General Convention approved his election and he was taken aside by the primates in this meeting and that's the first time they had broken fellowship where the Nigerian Peter Akinola would not worship with Frank Griswold um, and Frank Griswold said I won't go through I won't lay hands on him of uh, Gene Robinson well Frank returned back to the United States and under severe pressure caved in and laid hands on uh, Gene Robinson and it's like one of the cases and again I'm reading mine so this is not probably a good way to say this but he knew the good but he could be pressured to go along to get along in other words Frank would always vote with the majority in whichever room he was in if it was at so at the primates meetings he wouldn't go there into the gay stuff, but back in the Episcopal House of Bishops he would. Um, Yeah,
0: yeah, I've heard the same but I heard just recently he was at a a House of Bishops or a general convention and he was speaking and he was taking the conservative side of something but nobody cared. Yeah,
1: Yeah. uh, I think this was Indianapolis I think it was because I remember seeing Griswold and Katherine Jeffrey Shorey and uh, Michael Curry up on a podium, and I forget what the issue was. Mm-hmm. And it was something to do with human sexuality, I do remember, and Frank Griswold was essentially saying, we really can't go this far, we really can't alienate our Anglican communion partners, we need to have a good theological rationale before we do this, and we haven't reached that point. And as you said, sa- said, Kevin, nobody paid any attention. Now, unfortunately, so what I guess I'm thinking is Frank Griswold is a normal man with faults and strengths and he made mistakes. He had some great successes. Under Frank Griswold, believe it or not, the Episcopal Church did not collapse. Its collapse began with Catherine Jefford Shorey, whereas in the, during Griswold's time, the church, you know, gained a few, lost a few, but it remained stable. Whereas the Lutherans and the Presbyterians, that's when they began their decline. When Frank well, left, and in the, and when Frank left, and we got Catherine Jeffrey Shorey in, because people like Fitzsimmons, Allison's, and the others could meet and talk with Frank and not feel that they were they had to watch their back because they would get knifed once they turned around. But when Frank was replaced by an ideologue who was a take-no-prisoner sort of person, and she didn't take a prisoner of Bob Duncan. She murdered Bob Duncan in church terms, and Keith Ackerman, and and Jack Eicher, and all these people.
0: And deposed them. But, and that's the point. Frank, for all his faults, was not an enemy to the conservatives or the orthodox. Um, He just didn't have the ability as a leader to get that ball rolling or defend what he believed in.
1: Yeah, Yeah, so, again... You know, God will judge his souls, uh, and he did many good things. He had his very strong points, and then he had his weak points, just as we all do. (laughs) Both George and
0: I have our strengths and our weaknesses. All right, so let's move on to the news. Uh, More follow-up to the uh, Church of England's meeting a couple weeks ago, where they uh, set forth the uh, direction and journey for the LLF, and it looks like um, Jerusalem, Congo, South Africa are all saying no to gay blessings, George.
1: Yeah, we after the after the vote, we had that first flurry of statements and videos from Uganda, Nigeria, Rwanda, Kenya. Now we're saying more statements. Some of them are not a surprise. Congo is a member of the GAFCON movement, but they're saying that this is unacceptable. Mm-hmm. No surprise there. Um, Jerusalem is a bit of a surprise. Jerusalem is heavily reliant upon the Episcopal Church for its financial existence. We send, we the Episcopal Church, send a great deal of money every Easter. Uh, we collect money for the church in Jerusalem which is the Diocese of Jerusalem which is its mm. Archbishop and its, its work and <coughs> they put out a statement saying While we remain in communion with the Church of England, this, what they have done is absolutely unchristian, untenable, and we urge them to repent. Wow.
0: Wow. So, But but Because of their location and being in the middle of the Middle East, that is probably the very least they could say to uh, protect themselves.
1: Yeah, and you know when you're surrounded by Hamas on one side and uh, Fatah on the other and the Israelis on the third, so you've got three enemies around you in your mind, you have Mm -hmm. to be careful with your words, but they did say something and that was quite a statement that they did say something. The South African story is actually the more interesting one to my mind. The Theological Commission of the South African College of Bishops led by Bishop Raphael Hess of Saldana Bay which is just to the west uh, wet east of Cape Town on the southern coast, put together a recommendation after study period saying the church should bless same-sex civil partnerships. We're not going to marry people in church but we should bless those partnerships and they asked the College of Bishops to do this, adopt this. Now, this uh, study was started nine years ago, so they worked on it a very long time and it was led by, if you will, the liberal Catholic wing of the South African Church. And the primate, Tabo Makoba, has been outspoken in favor of blessing same-sex civil unions he won't go all the way to marriage but he will bless same-sex civil unions so he's episcopal church circa 2006 on the uh on the on the on the trajectory on the gay trajectory well the house of bishops turned them down and it said that while we empathize with and while we say that gays and lesbians are full members of the church and we love them and but we cannot uh move we cannot have the church swing with the swing in the wind according to any whim of society it must be faithful to the scriptures and to the traditions it was received so this was a major blow and slowly uh, this was a closed meeting and what we saw was the liberal white bishops along with the liberal catholic African bishops voting for it and then we saw the white evangelicals and the, what I would say, more Africa, Afrocentric bishops voting uh, against it. So they have a woman bishop in Swaziland, they have a woman bishop in uh, Lesotho, and they have some women bishops. They all voted for it because they're part of that more liberal wing. And at the Lambeth Conference last summer, you saw Justin Welby bring them up to give sermons and speeches and whatnot to sort of show that we're in solidarity with African women. Well, the Bishop of Natal and the Bishop of Grahamstown and places like that said, no, 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 we're not going that far. We are, we are not going to overthrow the Bible just because it's the latest, greatest thing. And South Africa does allow for gay civil unions and gay marriages, so it's not yeah. like they're ahead of the culture.
0: The, the country does. But South Africa takes tech money that you know that it's not like this is done in a vacuum they know that they're, they're kind of stinging the ring the, the the fingers that touch them you know mm-hmm. that uh that they may be repelling future money and uh, kudos to them for you know telling what they believe uh sticking with a uh a you know two thousand year church principle and
1: tradition and reason kudos now- the only two foreign bishops, three foreign bishops that I have seen come out saying isn't this wonderful what the Church of England has done is the Canadian primate Linda Nichols, no surprise there, the former primate of the Anglican Episcopal Church of Brazil, the Francisco de Assis Silva or Francisco Silva de Assis, whatever. Uh, <laughs> Our apologies. He, he, he's, <laughs> he's a bishop saying isn't this wonderful what they've done and the Brazilian Episcopal Church is very small, very liberal. Mm -hmm. And then the Bishop of the Southeastern Mexico, which stretches from Yucatan all the way down to uh, Chiapas. Uh, He was called to Mexico after serving the Canadian church for 25 years. He's a Mexican national. And he's a lovely man, uh, Bishop uh, Martin. Um, They are the only people who I've seen speak out in support of Welby's work in support of his proposal so the 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 pendulum is swinging away from justin welby very very rapidly right on the Uh, international level
0: but this is where it gets interesting right after uh the church of england finished up the head of the acc anthony bogo made a call for a primates meeting hey Let's get together and talk about this exciting thing the Church of England just did. And then you can do it where you are. We'll let you know the process. Well, I'm probably getting too far into the details. But he certainly called for a primates meeting
1: and crickets. I hear nothing. There's yeah, that's, We have not yeah. heard time or place as to when the bishops are to meet. Which is unusual. Now we can speculate what that means and it very very well may mean that they've already seeing a block of people saying, I'm not I'm not coming. I'm not involved. Well, I can't imagine a
0: forty person <laughs> Zoom call either. So <laughs> they're gonna have to they're gonna have to meet somewhere. And uh, so
1: But yeah. but what it's saying is that the the way forward that Welby has offered, which is to have an a- Anglican Consultative Council driven process of the study come in and then reports and then have everybody sign off on the dotted line in the fullness of time. And by then he will have, cons- he will have car- uh, crowned King Charles III and he'll be able to retire having done the one big thing left for him to do as Archbishop and leave it to the next guy to solve the problem. The GAFCON Global South world is saying, no, 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 we're not playing that game anymore. In fact, uh, Justin Badiarama yesterday released a video, a Lenten video, addressed two English conservatives saying, we have your back. Um, if the need arises for you to have alternative Episcopal oversight, we're really and willing and ready to do it. Um, that. The Global South Fellowship of Anglicans were the guys 10, 15 years ago who weren't really ready to do that for the U.S. They hoped against hope it would be okay. And GAFCON stepped in. Now, Global South is where GAFCON was all those years ago. So it's interesting development. So that now Global South and GAFCON are essentially not, you can't really distinguish between them anymore.
0: No, they have, certainly have the same message, maybe different mythology. Mythology. Methodology. Well, well, sorry, different way to do things. <laughs> it's been such a crazy week. Please forgive Kevin; his his brain is not always on target. Here, um, we have discussed this next topic uh, frequently, uh, all at least for the last two months. And the question is: Is there a road where um, there could be a conservative bishop elected in the Episcopal Church? Uh, I kind of said a long time ago, maybe Mark Lawrence will be the last one. He had to go through the process twice. I said, ooh, this may be the last one they went in. And then there was a guy in uh, Texas who uh, uh, was moderate to conservative who got in, and maybe some more moderates around the uh, many diocese. But we're seeing a stand down here in Florida and central Florida uh, between what's happening to Charlie Holt and what happened to the bishop elect uh, for Central Florida. And this is kind of the tale of two cities. Okay, this is the tale of two dioceses. And uh, let's talk a little bit about that. First, what's the update on Charlie Holt?
1: Charlie Holt, uh, essentially they're going to have, most likely they're going to have to do a redo. The standing committee has objected to the findings of the Court of Review. Uh, which basically cast doubt on the integrity of the diocese, not just the election. They said the election was held according to the rules just fine but the diocesan integrity uh, was bad because they do not permit non-celibate gays and lesbians to be serve in the diocese and so more than likely they'll have to have another election or it's a mess the, the and right now we saw a letter from the uh it, I, I, all these new anagra- uh all these new uh alphabet names uh, yeah by acronyms, Pe- yeah black indigenous people of color b i back whatever it is there may be some other letters in there okay deputies from general convention who aren't supposed to do this sort of thing because their power only comes during general convention. They're not little congressmen who have, you know, independent You have a four-day
0: block, that's it.
1: Well, they put out a letter saying that Florida is mean to gays and lesbians and blacks and indigenous and people of color and this and that, and therefore reject Charlie Holt's election. So the process right now is where... The request has gone out to either approve or reject Charlie Holt's election to the bishops and the standing committees. Um, it's been out there for a while, and we've not had anything come back. We did
0: hear from Central Florida.
1: Central Florida uh, had its election, and elected, and Central Florida is more conservative than the Diocese of Florida. Right. Diocese of Florida has about a 10% liberal block. Uh, diocese of Central Florida has a liberal parish, and the <laughs> rector there like is a lovely <laughs> and and the rector there is a lovely woman. I know her very well, and uh, okay. she's a very nice person. Mm-hmm. Um, Alison Haggerty, uh, great priest, and Central Florida's election—they elected somebody who will basically maintain the status quo in Central Florida. Our, at our election, we were given three choices somebody to basically fight the good fight nationally, somebody to pull back a bit and be more welcoming, or to uh, same old, same old. And we status elected quote. same old, same old, status quo. Right. But and the can, status quo. Can I ask this
0: question? Here's where I see the hypocrisy. Your, di- or your diocese, Central Florida, is more conservative than Florida your diocese doesn't have gay clergy no no and so the episcopal church the house of bishops is being very hypocritical by allowing your diocese to elect who you want and not charlie holt and i'd really like to know why they're being hypocrite why are bishops who pave the floor of hell being hypocrites george
1: I think being a bishop means being a hypocrite in this day. But no, you're right, Kevin. Central Florida, in a remarkably short period of time, got all the consents it needed. So Justin Holcomb will be consecrated bishop in May or early June, while Charlie Holt's out in limbo. So your point, the more conservative diocese with the more conservative candidate, because Charlie Holt has been making all sorts of nice things about how he wants to reach out and this Mm -hmm. and that, the people the, the diocese where there's no black and white or shading gets kid glove treatments whereas the diocese that is more moderate is being hammered what's going on because some of the speculation was there'll be no more conservative bishops so if they're going to give charlie hold a problem what are they going to do to justin holcomb well we found they're going to do nothing why is this happening well i called some people up in florida and It turns out that it's the current bishop who is the source of controversy, Sam Howard. Now, for those with long memory, Sam Howard was the one who fought Rowan Williams and drove out a clergy from his diocese, Neil Labar and Company, 10, 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. And was just a bit of a jerk, as it was described. I know Sam, I don't think he's a jerk, but he did rub some people the wrong way.
0: He, well, in my memory, he read them so long, so wrong in the way he did it that people thought he was liberal.
1: Mm-hmm. He wasn't. And he's not liberal. He's not liberal. Okay. Uh, Sam does not, Sam doesn't like uh, deacons. He mm-hmm. really has the thing against especially women deacons. He doesn't really like women clergy. He won't move against them, but mm-hmm. very, very few of them are called into the diocese from outside. Um, he uh does not license gay clergy who are non-celibate if you retire to that his diocese and your partnered gay man or woman you will not be received into the diocese you'll stay wherever you're from and sam it seems has alienated so many people that this is as much we're going to hit at sam and poor charlie is the collateral damage when The first election was called, uh, was was done, and it was very close. And there were objections raised, and there was a redo order. Sam Howard decided to hire Charlie Holt on the staff of the diocese. You and I at the time said, "Ooh, that doesn't look quite good." Cringy,
0: very cringy, cringy.
1: Unfortunately, it wasn't received well, and -hmm. it was received as Sam Howard is forcing his his boy on to us. So those who would normally just you know sit back and just let things take their course join that small group of activists saying hell no we're not gonna let the Bishop do this. So it seems that the adage all politics is local in the Episcopal Church in the Diocese of Florida that's really what's going on. It's a fight between Sam Howard who is out of touch and here's the thing some of the people who are, who are fighting Sam Howard are people he favored 10, 15 years ago. Kurt Dunkel, who had been his canon to the ordinary, who then went on to become Dean of General Theological Seminary and tro- drove that place into the ground, has come back to Florida. And Kurt is one of the people leading the charge against Sam Howard, mm. which is you know, extraordinary. Um, there's no, he doesn't seem to engender loyalty. Now, I like Sam. I think he's a nice guy. I believe his views are honestly held. He just hasn't managed to rub a good number of people in his diocese the wrong way. And now after 10 or 12 years of being a bishop, they basically are saying, uh, can't wait to see the back of you and we want all your buddies going too.
0: All right, well, let's see what happens in there. Keep uh, this situation in your prayers. Uh, I don't expect we would take the Episcopal Church completely with conservatives over the next dozen years, but I'm praying for that. Uh, let's go for... Oh, okay. I'm going to say this is the last Church of England story we're going to do today, but it's not. All right. The Safeguarding Report is out. I read through oh. it. It's, it's a, a big report on uh, uh, how safeguarding has worked guess what? It didn't, uh, in, in the Church of England. And it looks like safeguarding is one of the most dangerous things you could partake of in the, uh, the the Church of England. And so we need to talk about this. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, because we knew this was happening. Um, we knew that uh, safeguarding was a joke, that people have committed suicide because they were under investigation within uh, safeguarding, and they were innocent. So... Let's just say what the report says, George, and just and try and jump by the story as fast as possible.
1: Well, the, this particular report looked at safeguarding at Lambeth Palace in the offices and staff of the Archbishop of Canterbury, and as bad as the Church of England has been on safeguarding, this report that came out uh, the end of February, finds, beginning of March, finds that the Archbishop of Canterbury's office is even worse. That there is no accountability, there's no chain of command, there's no hierarchy, that bullying is rampant, that that uh, it's an utter fiasco. So that the man the the bishop in charge, Justin Welby, who makes all these statements about safeguarding how important and vital it is, his own internal mechanisms are absent are 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 just dreadful. And this is not me just saying they're dreadful in my opinion this was the finding of the report now so how tone deaf justin welby is justin welby has hired a new bishop to the bishop at lambeth uh, the former bishop of manchester and we talked about this fellow in the, about a few episodes ago about his love life which was rather colorful well this guy also had two formal rebukes on his record were having major safeguarding failures while being Bishop of Manchester. So here's a guy who has done, who basically is a two-time loser on safeguarding, uh, not informing, not following up, covering up, all this and that. He's now in charge of safeguarding at Lambeth Palace. You can't make, Martin Sewell, who is a member of General Synod and an advocate for uh, the abused in the Church of England tweeted uh, that uh, with the thought I wonder why this isn't making more news and then he answered his own question as saying that well nobody really expects any better from Justin Welby in Lambeth Palace. It's like Kevin you or I talking about Muslims killing Christians in Nigeria or corruption in India it's the same old same old yeah. yeah and that is such a shame. And so now another group of people are calling for Justin Welby to step down. This time over his overseeing a safeguarding process in his own backyard that is unfit for purpose.
0: Oh, good. All that story's over. We're done. Okay. All done. Don't want to talk about any. Oh no. Oh no. Oh, George. Oh boy. Here we go. Uh, let's see the volume up here and i don't know if the volume translates into uh um our browser thing here at all but uh this wonderful drag queen was invited to perform and conduct uh his slash her routine at a church not in this country yet (laughs) but in the uk george and i thought hey why don't we just talk about this
1: on march 2nd st james in piccadilly and piccadilly is a very nice part of london a mm. very uh, swanky area so the uh vicar rector is lucy winkett who's one of these women priests who's always on the bbc's thought for a moment and uh uh is That's all uh, she's got well she's a member of the church of england's mean girls club uh, she's only had well, one thought a moment what's happened is that now that llf has come forward Mm-hmm. people are interpreting in their own way. Now this is in the diocese of London and they can now have uh, drag queen nights for children at St James in Piccadilly where they can have dra- entertainers, transgender entertainers as if this were some sort of louche nightclub in Soho or Montmartre um they're having this at the ch- at the church as because the doors were opened by the LLF and the other things we're seeing uh, some of our correspondents in England are saying that uh, they're noticing all of a sudden these young clergy who are deacons or who are ordinands in the process are now putting on Twitter in their status that they're married to a person of the same gender with pictures of their weddings and everything and that they basically have been keeping this secret or maybe only the people, they hide this from us peasants so we don't get excited, but now they feel totally comfortable in proclaiming that they are living lives that are not in conformity with the canons of the Church of England. Now, to have a drag queen entertain at a Church of England with children present, you basically need to do safeguarding procedures because we've had a lot of things in the United States with these drag performers, a good number of them have been found to be uh, convicted sexual predator. Child predators, sexual, offender, child predators, yeah, uh, sexual offenders. offenders. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and there are canonical things that you cannot turn a church into a nightclub like yeah. this. But will well, anything happen? Uh, I've written to the Diocese of London. I've not gotten an answer. But
0: uh, it, it, Here in America, in the Episcopal Church, certainly in the ACNA, a person who is um, teaching the children or who is a daycare provider or, you know, uh, to Sunday school children has to pass a background check. Right? Yes. Yes. Okay. This drag queen and many of the other ones that are performing in churches would not pass a background check because many and so, so many, many of them have, what we'd call a rap sheet uh, that would disqualify them from being uh, teachers or, or a person to perform in front of children. And, uh, you know, what would safeguarding say about that? No, you, uh, God, I don't think we should. I really would rather we didn't do that. No, you shouldn't do that. This is, at the end of the day, how does this glorify God? How do we entertain this in, in our worship setting? This is, this is where we worship. This is where we have our Eucharist. This is where we preach, and we, we say the Gospels, and this is where we have our great liturgies. And we've desiccated it. This church needs to be cleaned. I, 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 I don't want to go on a rant. Yes, I do.
1: Well, St. James Piccadilly is both desiccated, as you say, it's dried up, the spirit is absent, and it's been desecrated. Mm-hmm. It, things that are ungodly have been practiced in its uh, sanctuary area. But the expectation that people would have restraint once the gates were opened on the mm-hmm. gay issue. In the United States, we saw this was utter nonsense. But in the Church of England, the bishops have been saying, oh, well, we'll do this in an ordered, measurely fashion. We're not even a month out from LLF. We've got drag shows, we've got deacons who are in the ordination who are waiting to be made priests, boasting of their fabulous wedding with their their husband or their wife or this or that who are the same gender or sex there is no holding back this sin this brokenness this
0: there's no holding back taste. George because what's well, not just bad taste they've gone the ultimate that there we I want to put it on screen that's not the ultimate the ultimate is when they cancel and fire the conservatives so there's no recourse there's nobody to hold them accountable uh, therefore, you as lay people, and you're out there. I, there's uh, more than half of this audience is a layperson. Many of you from the Church of England, you're all that's left
1: to to well, hold that. But see, Kevin, yeah. that's you're right. That's more than enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the church are not the clergy. It's not the institution. It's not the, the smells and bells. The church is that gathered community of people. Look at what the mm-hmm. articles of religion say. Mm-hmm. Uh, First order, first order it's laity. In, and, and that's what we taught in our catechism in the Episcopal Church. The first order of ministry is the lay people. Um, but God, uh, God's in charge and we shouldn't despair. We really shouldn't because we're allowing, if you will, Satan to act out all of its evil stuff now so that we can, when we begin the good cleanup, there's not going to be any doubt. Uh, who are
0: the goats and who are the sheep? All right, hey, let's just let's just end this episode with a, a light story out of Uganda. Not very controversial, you know. Something anybody be helpful to talk about? Uh, Uganda is doing an update with the gay laws, and uh, um, somehow the church is going to make the news of this, George.
1: Oh yeah, uh, I see. I foresee a PR disaster in the making. Mm-hmm. but I don't think at this point that anything can shock anybody. Not, many of our viewers will remember a number of years ago, the Ugandan parliament adopted a law that criminalized homosexuality, which was already criminalized, but they added a new proviso that groups or uh, social media sites that advocate for for young people to explore their sexual identity uh, basically all the woke transgender nonsense that we have in the United States. Those will be criminalized in Uganda and the church of Uganda says yes we agree because we believe that this contagion from the west of social media convincing people convincing vulnerable young people vulnerable adults that God didn't make them male or female he made them binary or so I just saw some statistic where some twenty percent of the teens 23%, in England yeah. identify as uh, homosexual or lesbian. Um, when the st- normal statistical mean is like three or four percent, because they have been—I don't want to say brainwashed—because that's not no, a real. Term. They've been
0: groomed, groomed. They've but been groomed. Been... They've yes. been
1: taught that this is ex- taught that this is right. This is good, yeah. acceptable. Mm-hmm. And the Ugandan church doesn't want that to spread to Uganda. Well, what's going to happen? This will pass parliament in Uganda. It, the first time around it passed parliament with a mass majority, but it was tossed out by the Supreme Court because there wasn't a quorum that day when the vote was taken. So it was thrown out on a technicality. It'll pass this time, it'll be signed into law by the president, and then we will see Justin Welby and other Jane Ozan and other people saying, oh, it's hate the gays time. We're trying to criminalize gay people. We're trying to all this and that. When the church, you know, the motives of the man proposing the uh, law, I don't know what they are. He could be a, an unpleasant person with evil thoughts, but for the, the, the church of Uganda's understanding, it is that we need to stand up against the corrupting influences from the West and just like we in the United States, we don't have cigarette ads on TV anymore so that young people aren't uh, persuaded that smoking is cool. The same way of thinking the Church of Uganda is is advocating saying we don't want these things on our social media that can be reached by Ugandan children to think that gender bending is cool or being by non-binary is cool.
0: And that's one of the big things we have with our adolescent kids they are going through their identity crisis. When in the 80s, you went through an identity crisis, you normally tended for anorexia, if you had gender dysphoria, uh, or some other uh, um, uh, cutting or hurting yourself. Here, there's now a million choices of what you can do when you go through uh, the, the adolescent, I don't know who I am. And the, the last choice they give you is to seek out God in this. The last choice to see it will go talk to your priest. I bet he could help you out. Or talk to a, a Christian friend. That's the, that's the last choice society. No, society doesn't want to give you that choice. Forgive me for saying last choice. But so we we have arrived now where we introduce kindergartners to uh, gender theory and we tell them you were born with one set of of identical markers of your biology. Your gender could be anywhere in between or something completely new that we haven't discovered yet. And that George is the destruction of society. It's one thing for Satan to convince you that he does not exist. When he convinces you that you are not your biological sex, he has won because he's convinced you that you may be willing to cut off what you don't need in order to become somebody else. And I can't, there are a few things more evil, uh, but I just can't think of them off the top of my head. I'll list that as number one. And we we now have a society, it's gonna take 20 years to figure out um, that this was wrong, oh, oops, us. Uh, I don't know why we're listening to the liberals on this. They were just wrong once. But George, this is so bad. I've talked about before, there is a Reddit forum for people ty- trying to detrans, uh, to take the surgery that has completely destroyed their bodies. And see not see how many people they're up to now. Um, when I brought it on to you guys before, the, there were 40,000. There's now 65,000 kids going to this Reddit forum looking for help. They said, I was lied to. I went to the surgeon, uh, the gender surgeon, and he only gave me an hour of counseling before I signed off on on me taking off my breast and having uh, my forearm attached to my, my vagina. And you're just like, George, how evil are we as a society? I, what could be worse? Okay, what, the, the one society worse than us, Aztecs. But we're, we're, we're in a tough competition, George. Ah, uh, George, that's my rant. I'm sorry. I would well, It's not me.
1: a rant, Kevin. It's the truth. You're speaking the... the truth from your heart because <sighs> you and I know um, that you know Satan is a lion that prowls around that seeks to destroy us, and he appears in many guises, in many forms, and it, it, you know the the temptations and the problems of our generation are not the problem of today's generation, and. We've been caught, you and I, our generation have been caught blind to the forces that are attacking our own children. But we just need to be patient and trust that God is in charge. That of all this pain and suffering, Christ will be honored and glorified. My
0: biggest struggle in all this is the church is not there. This evil was designed for the church to respond to, not to succumb to. That's, it just hurts so much.
1: But yeah. the institution is not there, but the church, meaning the people of God, are there and have been there. Individuals speaking to individuals—that's the true church, Kevin. It's not uh, what uh, Michael Curry releases on the internet. Who on on the, Michael Curry or what not? Michael whatnot. Curry. I've the truth. <laughs> the true, the true church Ray. is is a mm. is. Uh, I was in prison this past week. Uh, did I tell you this?
0: Again? No. no. You make parole?
1: No, I, no, no. I, 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 I uh, was invited uh, to uh, the Sumter Correctional Institute. Uh, oh,
0: you you were down at my side, kind of, the country, yeah.
1: Yeah, and I spent the uh, day there meeting the new assistant warden, new chaplain, and uh, when COVID came, all the volunteer stuff died, and now they're slowly restarting it, and I'm part of this. Governor DeSantis initiative of of private public partnerships to help inmates reform and turn their lives around. And I was uh, there and the day was on fatherhood and uh, I was in a gym with four or five hundred inmates, about a dozen guards, the chaplain and me. We saw a movie, we had some speakers, then we broke into small groups and the theme that I heard with the dozen, two dozen, 18 people in my little circle were you know, I was a gangbanger in Miami. I was raised by my grandmother. I had no male influences. And now I'm in this place till I die. And if I'd only had a father and hadn't sought out the father who was a 17-year-old and I was 12-year-old who had gave me a gun and taught me how to hold up liquor stores. Fatherhood, the, the point of the, the, the day was to instill the need for fatherhood and to restore the role of men in the lives of young men. And this is what I hear, and this is the church at work, whether, and this is truly the church at work. In other words, my job when I go into prison isn't to make little Episcopalians. I'd probably have to go to the white collar prison over in Coleman, Florida to meet the white Episcopalians. Uh, But you know, this is a prison, uh, long-term inmates and 25 life sentences. Many are not going to get out, and it's not to turn them, make them religious, but to bring them the faith of Jesus Christ. And the church is one person to another because I may influence or convert one or two people a year, but that one fellow I convert may turn a hundreds in his lifetime uh, around into the good news of Jesus Christ. So, yes, I agree with you. I'm being pedantic. I apologize. I agree no, with no. you that the institutional church is letting down the side but the church has the members of the body of of Christ, Mm -hmm. be they lay or ordained, they're wonderful clergy, they're wonderful bishops, they're wonderful lay people, they're miserable bishops, they're miserable clergy and they're rotten human beings, lay people. Mm -hmm. But the church is not what you wear on the outside, it's where you are on the inside in your faith relationship with Jesus Christ.
0: If you need counseling and you want to have your own revival, um, and talk to somebody you've been a uh, first of all you made it to the end of the program you're probably pretty desperate if you're a person
1: <laughs> yeah can well, I, just, I just want just,
0: go ahead yeah. finish up
1: I just want to share one little anecdote and that one of the people I met a number of years ago with the Kairos prison ministry which is the weekend groups and I've been involved in that for a number of years before COVID came uh, this was a, as a young man this boy when he was 17 he shot and killed a Florida State trooper he was on a crime spree stole a car robbed a liquor store was chased by the police, uh, got out into the highway, and was chased by the state troopers, and he shot out of his window and he killed a state trooper. And he was convicted, given the death penalty, But and this went to the Supreme Court, uh, but they said, because you're 17, you're a minor, you're not gonna be executed. So passed back to the governor who basically said, life in prison without parole. This happened in 1957. So this guy has been in prison, what, 65 years. Now, if anybody has a reason to be despondent or think about a wasted life or, or somebody, and the state of Florida will never parole this man. I'm sorry if you kill a cop, you kill a state trooper, you're not getting out, except in a box. And even then, you don't get out, you get buried inside the prison grounds. This man, when he was in his 20s and early 30s, had a conversion experience. And whenever I meet him in prison, he comes up, he gives me a hug and he says, isn't this a wonderful day in the Lord? Um, He has spent the last 40, 50 years working with young men who come into the prison and he tries to share with them the good news of Christ so they don't wind up like him. He made a free will choice to steal a car, rob a liquor store, and shoot a state trooper and kill him. And he must suffer the consequences for that free will choice. But the Lord, out of that tragedy, out of that nihilistic destructive behavior has used him to help bring people salvation. And so as he looks on his life, he said, yes, I would have done things differently, but I feel that the Lord has been my side me all these years and behind the walls in Florida. I, I make that point because that man is the church and he is fighting in his little corner of Sumter County where you are Kevin uh, the good fight and we shouldn't give in just because that the news is bad and the schools are bad and our friends and family may do saints who do stupid things because God is still God. Yeah, let
0: the drama be the drama let the Lord be the Lord. Well,
1: Kevin, after, the, after that sermon, <laughs> we now say the Nicene Creed. Uh, that's right. That's where yeah. we are. The <laughs> I'm Kevin Coulson. And I'm George Conger. And you've been watching episode 792 of Anglican Unscripted.